Amen. Thank you, worship team. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Daniel 10. Daniel 10. We're going to cover 11 and 12 next week, and we're going to wrap up Daniel. We've been in it 11 weeks now, but today I think if you've not been with us, you can catch up in a hurry. We're just going to deal uh, with, uh, really, the important part of what all of Daniel has pointed to, this unseen battle that we face. He's pointing to the end of time, but we're looking at how we all, every one of us, uh, face an unseen battle in the spiritual world. The Scripture says in Ephesians 6, and we'll look at it a little closer, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in heavenly places. So when we think about where we are in our world, we know some of the things that happen, even for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, happen because we face a an enemy, Satan, the devil, our own flesh, the world, and the culture. And so we've got to identify the enemy. Sometimes we think that our conflict happens because our, our spouse is selfish or our, our children want their own way or, or our neighbors, I don't know what our neighbors do, but I know our neighbor's dog barks a lot. And we got to identify that the enemy is not our spouse or our children or our siblings. The enemy is the evil one. Now, we can fall in two categories if we're not careful. We can not believe it all and underestimate the power of our enemy, the evil one. And, and kind of put him in the same category that we do Halloween figures like leprechauns and unicorns. Have little pointed um, tail and, and red suit and pitchfork and all that kind of stuff. That's not who he is. He's much more attractive. He's much more deceptive. He might even be a she at times. I don't fully know. I know we're battling an enemy. So pay attention. As we look at this together, as we look at Daniel, we are reminded that the rising and falling of empires is God working His plan. God providing. God showing us through Daniel that He is sovereign. He's in control. He's in charge. Now, the point we come to in chapter 10 is the end of the children of Israel, the specifically Judah's exile into Babylon. And they are now about to go back to the promised land. Now, Babylon has been overtaken by the next empire. Remember, you, you studied if you were in life groups today, the next one, the Medes and the Persians. They've already been overtaken by Cyrus, and Cyrus starts sending people back to they start sending people back to rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city of God. But there's some people that don't want to go back to a way that God calls them to faithful worship. Folks, there's, there's, there's an end to the exile. That's good news for us. As we think about where we are as strangers in a strange land with all of what's going on, there's an end to this. I don't know when the end is going to be, but there's going to be a day where we don't have to worry about wearing masks anymore, where we don't have to worry about social distancing anymore, where we don't have to worry about a COVID-19 
virus anymore to the degree that we are now. It may be around for a long time, but we know there's going to be an end to this. Some people think that's going to happen November the 5th. I don't know. I hope they're right. I don't know about any of when that's actually going to happen, but I know this. There's coming an end to the exile for the people of God. The question is, for Daniel and for us, it's what will be different because of where we've been. God's been teaching me some things in these months. I hope He is you. One of the things He's teaching me is just to get back again to the basics. That's why we've called you to the Daniel Prayer Challenge. If you haven't been doing that, praying as Daniel did three times a day, there's a card out on the table in the foyer. I know many of you have been doing that, and it starts with this in the morning. Lord, soften my heart, because that's what we need. We don't need to pass judgment on people who wear masks or people who don't wear masks. We don't need to to worry about the things that are happening around us as much as we need to be concerned about what's happening within us and what God is doing in us and teaching us compassion and faithfulness. We've just sang about His. Could we sing about ours before Him? And so as we look at this text in Daniel 10, we're going to read the entire chapter. And and I want you to think about Daniel now, an old man in his wisdom. Remember, he is taken captive as a teenager way back in chapter 1, maybe 14, 15. Now it's It's 70 years later, Jeremiah prophesied that the exile would be 70 years. We looked at part of that last time. And now it's 70 years later because we know Cyrus is in control. So 605 B.C. is when it started. And it's now about 535 B.C. or so. And at the end of this exile, Daniel is in great turmoil, in great mourning because he's concerned, led to their exile just doing their own thing, worshiping their own idols, being concerned about their own purposes and not the kingdom? Or will they be different? And God has shown him a vision, and this vision is an unseen vision. And he kind of pulls back the the curtain of it for all of us that there's a, a great battle that's going on between heaven and earth. And it's a spiritual battle, but it it's very much concerns you and me because it's a battle for humanity. It's a battle for nations. It's a battle of who we are going to be. And it seems as though in this text that God has assigned certain folks, actually, more than God, the enemy, the evil one, has assigned certain fallen angels over Persia and Greece. And we can say... In our day, maybe even over America, over, I wonder if there are demons assigned to Washington, D.C. Anybody buy that? Anybody buy there might be some demons assigned to Austin, Texas? You think about what's going on in our world, there might be some demons assigned to Yoakum County. I don't know. We think about what's going on in this spiritual world, and it. It's kind of mind-boggling. But for just a moment, Daniel shows us some things that God is showing 
Him. And so I want you to see those as we begin to deal with this unseen battle and see how He deals with this unseen battle. You remember when 9-11 happened, I can't believe it's been over 19 years ago now, but you remember one of the difficulties in dealing with that whole situation was trying to identify who was really responsible behind all of that, trying to identify our enemy. It was a war on terror, but there was so much terror going on in other parts of our world, we couldn't identify that to a single country, and you'll recall that. And now when we think about what we're dealing with with this COVID-19, it's hard to identify this unseen virus kind of enemy, but... As we look at what we're looking at today, we know our enemies. The devil. The flesh. And the world. So how will you deal with those things? How will you attack and defend in this battle? Well, let's learn from Daniel. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? It's going to be about five minutes, 21 verses here in Daniel 10. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, that's his uh, Babylonian name, had another vision. And he understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship, great conflict. And when this vision came to me, I, Daniel had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Now, just pause for just a minute. I think what he's trying to say is he was serious about his prayer. He wasn't even brushing his teeth and combing his hair. No ointment or lotion was going on here. He was so devoted and mournful, and fasting, and just passionate about his people and what was going on. And on April 23rd, verse 4, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist, and his body looked like a precious gem, and his face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches, and his arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people, and only I... Daniel saw this vision, and the men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision, and my strength left me, and my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. And then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground, and just then a hand touched me and lifted me up, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit 
prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. And while he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord. And I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again. And I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me. My Lord, for you have strengthened me. And he said, he replied, Do you know I've come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael. Your spirit. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 11, I've been standing here beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Let's see what God has for us here. Let's ask him to open our minds right now. Father, show us. (laughs) Show us again from Daniel what you want us to know about you about ourselves, about what you want us to do, and about who you want us to share it with. In the power of your strong name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's look again, if you'll follow with me on the back of your outline, we're going to look at some things now. Remember, Again, this is apocalyptic literature. If you hadn't been with us, that means there's a lot of symbolism going on. There's not as much symbolism here as there is kind of a a weirdness to this vision as there has been a a weirdness for all of, of the book of Daniel to a certain degree. But we see in this particular section that there is a man, and I think it's real important that comes to Daniel to explain to him what God is doing. Now, Daniel has been praying and praying for three weeks and been fasting and and been mourning all this time. And there has been a delay from this man to come to Daniel. And we see that that delay has happened because of the prince or the spirit prince to, to Persia. So this is a fallen angel. It's a demon. We know that before the fall of man, there was the fall of, of the angels. And we know that the chief angel was Lucifer. And so as we look at that in Scripture, there's a lot of confusion about that. But just know this, okay, that there is a spiritual war going on, and it happens all the time. And you, you know it happens. You've seen it. You think sometimes when you've had this conversation with your spouse, where did that come from? You think sometimes when you're, you're dealing with your teenager, 
Why did they do what they did? And we, we know some of the time that's them, and we know some of the time that something happens, everything seemed to be just fine, that there is an enemy that roams about seeking one to devour like a, like a lion. First Peter 5, 8 tells us this. So he sees us and sees like everything's okay in our world, and he sees, hey, there's lunch. We're about to devour these folks. We're about to jump in. So the moment you say to yourself, well, I've got it all together, I think I've got everything in place. I think I, I have my spiritual life together. That's the moment you open yourself up to the line to devour you. You always got to put on your armor. You always have to, to put on the things that God tells us are, are His armor to defend against the enemy, the evil one. And th- those things are found in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, which is probably the clearest section Paul talks about uh, this spiritual warfare. So I want you to turn with me just to identify those things. This is a whole other sermon, but I want you to see them, okay? Because I think they're real important to understand that we have some equipment in this battle. We have some things that we can can use and one important offensive weapon, but most of these things allow us to defend against the enemy. So would you look at Ephesians 6, and I'm just going to read these. A final word, be strong in the Lord. And that's a word that, that's come to Daniel as well. And in his mighty power, and put on all the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Can't you see it somewhere in the cosmic universe between heaven and earth that the, the enemy, the evil one, Satan himself is plotting. He's coming up with strategy. I'm going to send you here. I'm going to send you here. Oh, this person would be perfect for you. This nation would be perfect for you. And there's all these strategies. He's scheming. And we have these defenses. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly place. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. So that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be able to stand firm. Standing your ground, put on the belt of truth. Think about this. Well, if you just knew the truth about what's going on in our world, if, if we could just decipher the truth of who God wants us to be, what God is doing, if we knew we didn't have to rely on other sources, the, the media, or any, if we knew the truth, what well, we do know the truth. The belt of truth is to be fashioned. And the, the body armor or the breastplate of righteousness, just do right. The right that you know to do based upon the truth. Isn't it interesting? It starts there. The defense against him is knowing the truth and the shoes of readiness, the peace that comes from the good news. That's the next peace. The, the army boots are the, the peace of the gospel or the gospel of, of peace, the readiness to share that gospel. In addition, you had the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Believe. Salvation is your helmet. Helmet of salvation and the sword 
of the Spirit. You see, there's about six things there. And this is the last and the most offensive of all of those. The sword of the Spirit. How do you battle? you got to know. How does Jesus deal with temptation in the wilderness? He quotes Scripture. Why do we so want you to be involved in in Scripture? The 70-day the challenge we're going to start begins not tomorrow, but next Monday, uh, September the 28th, and those cards, those other green cards are there. I want you to just to read through the New Testament. Now, see, we're, we're in the book of Daniel. You don't start in Daniel. If you want to know the Bible, don't start in Daniel. Daniel's confusing to a new Christian for sure. He's, he's pretty confusing to an old Christian, isn't he? And, and we think about all that's going on. We're trying to decipher a lot of that. But we start with Jesus. Because Daniel points to Jesus. In fact, I think Jesus is in this text. Because I think the man who shows up, he can only be one of two people, either a high-ranking angel, but I think it's Jesus himself. And the reason I think that goes back to the comparison of this and Revelation 1. Can we get that slide up there? Uh, As we look at these two things, I want you to see that. Can you kind of see that? I know it's kind of vague, but... Here's a description in Daniel 10, 5 through 9, which we just read of this man. His face had the appearance of lightning. Just read the colored parts. All right? Over here in Revelation, which we know this is Jesus, and Jesus coming back that has been revealed to John, we see in the blue part, his face was like the shining in his strength. In the, in the red part, his eyes were like flaming torches, and his eyes were like the flame of fire. And the <clears throat> sound of his words like the sound of the tumult and the his voice was like the sound of, of many waters and, and the black part. No strength was left in him for by natural color turned to pallor. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. I, I fell into a deep sleep on my face. You see, there's a, there's a great comparison there, is there not, between Jesus and this man in Daniel 10. I think it's what we call a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ like the fourth man In the fiery furnace we talked about in Daniel chapter 3, Jesus shows up again. And one of the key elements to this is found in what we read last week. At the end of the 70 years of the exile in Jeremiah 29.10, he talks about, here's what it specifically says in Jeremiah 29.10, thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed, will I visit you. I think he means that literally. That Jesus came to visit the exiles and Daniel. And he showed up and he and he gave them, he gave Daniel great strength and comfort. And that's what he does still. In the midst of adversity that we face in our world, that Daniel was facing in the exile, how, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with, with difficulty? When we think about things, and, and as I mentioned a few weeks ago, maybe things will get a little worse before they get a little better. I don't know. We hope not. But if they do, how do you deal with adversity and the prospects of greater adversity? You can worry and fret. They do any good? Or, or you can ignore it and deny it, just hope it goes away on its own. Or you can... You can criticize folks who are in charge or or complain. Oh, man, we've seen some complaining, have we not? 
Or you can do what Daniel does. You can pray. And you experience the encouragement of the Lord. Be strengthened and renewed. And I, when I talk about praying, I don't mean just saying a flippant prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, protect me. Lord, provide for me. Those things are important. All through the day you can say those kind of prayers. But I'm talking about a diligent, soul-searching, um, humble sort of prayer. That's what we see. Number one, how do you deal with this unseen battle? It's with that kind of seeking, humble prayer. Daniel ten twelve. back to our, our text. Here's what it says. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I've come to answer your prayer. You ever pray and feel like your prayers don't get above the ceiling? Anybody? Just raise your hand if you feel like that, because I do. If you're not raising your hand, you, you probably never prayed. You probably never tried to pray. That happens to all of us. How do we get our prayers heard? The Scripture tells us, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. If we come to Him in confidence and boldness, we come to Him praying things according to His will. How do we know His will? It's in His Word. How do we know His ways? It's in His Word. If we pray anything according to His will, He hears us. That's what it specifically says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. That's the secret to answer prayer. That's the secret to dealing with adversity in this way. That's the secret to prayer that changes things. You see, Jesus shows up incarnately. And whether you think that's an angel or Jesus, I, I, it makes no difference. I think it's Jesus. He shows up because of an answer to Daniel's prayer. What will change? Because of your prayers. Great Methodist John Wesley said, God does nothing except an answer to prayer. You want things to change in our world? You want things to change in your family? You want things to change in your heart? Ask. Ask Him. Seek Him. You'll, you'll find Him. When you knock, when you ask, when you seek, when you do all of that with, with all your heart. Again, Jeremiah says that in Jeremiah, the, the letter to the exiles, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you'll find him when you seek him with all of who you are. Prayer changes things. But you know what you see here in this text too? It's exhausting. Prayer is exhausting if you really do it. It's hard work. It's the hardest work you will ever do. And frankly, Sometimes we don't pray because we're lazy. We just don't pray because we've tried it and we've 
falling asleep. Well, don't stop just because you fall asleep. You know, you don't stop eating just because you miss a meal. You, you think about that. Just because you miss a daily time of prayer, don't stop praying. Keep praying. And that's what, that's what Daniel's doing for his people. But he is exhausted from praying. Let me ask you. You ever done hard work and at the end of the day you just felt good? Because you know you got a lot done? Isn't that a good feeling? We don't always get that in prayer, but sometimes we do. Sometimes we get the feeling. But here's what I know for sure. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. The great missionary Hudson Taylor said that. And which would you rather work in your life? Who's going to be able to deal with this unseen enemy? That we see. See what's going on in this, this realm. The reason Jesus has been delayed to come to Daniel is because he's been battling between heaven and earth this spirit prince of the, of, of Persia. And so the, the fallen angel assigned to Persia. There's another one assigned to, to Greece or this fallen angel or, or this, or Jesus says he's going to have to battle that angel and battle another one. At the end, he tells us, battle's not over. We keep fighting. And the way we fight is on our knees. Praying. Isn't there something we can do besides pray? Oh, we've tried it, haven't we? We do it when we can do it. But when we come to the end, we pray. And it's not just our last resort. It's our first option to pray. You want things to change in the hearts of the people that we've been calling our oikos? It starts. That's why we do that. With prayer, God working. God moving. God knows what's happening in this other realm. In this unseen battle. And the great news is He can handle it. He can deal with it. Second thing I want you to see the way we deal with this is not only prayer that changes things and exhausts us as we do that, as we see in verses 16 and 17, but we stay encouraged and endure verses 18 through 21. Look at them again with me. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. So Jesus touches Daniel, and he said, his strength comes back, and he says, don't be Afraid. For you are very, hear this word, follower of Jesus. You are beloved. You are very precious to God. It's not just Daniel. It's all his children who are part of the kingdom. You matter to God. And God has heard Daniel's prayer because Daniel has prayed according to to what God wants to do. And in this section in verse 19, he says, you're precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. So he calms our fears. 
When we think of the Scripture, this is a word from the Lord to Daniel verbally. We don't get those often. Maybe we do from time to time. I've never had one. I've never had an audible voice speak to me like Daniel had. But God has spoken to me plenty. And when he does, whatever makes me anxious, what is that for you? Whatever terrifies me or scares me. And there are some things that are pretty scary in our world. What is that for you? One of them is the the phone ringing in the midst of the sanctuary while I'm preaching. That's terrifying to me. I know you all heard it, so we might as well address the elephant in the room. It happens. What is the the fear, the deepest, darkest fear of your heart? And, And how does that get relieved? The whole book of Daniel relieves my fears. Because the point of the book is this. Despite uh, appearances, despite the circumstances around us, despite the fact that we feel like we are living in such a strange time, a strange land, God is still on His throne in control, in charge, working His plan. And I know what God has done for me in my life, and I know what He's done for many of you as well. He takes the things... For a believer, not for everybody, but for those who've committed themselves to Jesus Christ. And even the bad stuff, He works everything together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Not everything's good. But we know God uses everything for His good and for our good. He's working it. Whatever's happened to us, God works that will we let him we will if we see the strength that comes from him that's what happens to daniel he he the lord says to him be strong and courageous it's the same word that god said to joshua as he took over for the great moses in joshua 1 6 and 7 be strong and very courageous have faith that's a synonym for courage and courage is not the absence of fear It's moving forward in spite of your fear. And that comes from faith, knowing God's got this. Whatever it is that makes you afraid, do you have the faith it takes to move forward, seek the Lord, and know Everything's going to be all right. My son's here. He's out with my favorite granddaughter. I hope you you noticed that earlier. She's beautiful. I hope you get a chance to see her. But when he was a little boy, he would, he's not anymore, bigger than I am. He'd get a little afraid. I'd have to calm him down. All of my kids. That's what fathers do, is it not? That's what our Heavenly Father does. He reminds us everything's going to be okay. 
I'll take care of this. I'll handle this. Do you believe that? You believe that God is going to take care of you because as you do, you know you'll be strengthened through your faith. That's what Daniel says that the incarnate Jesus who appears to him here has done in the second part of verse 19. You've strengthened me. And now, Jesus says to him, do you know? Do you know why I've come? I just want to step back into the bigger picture of things. Not just in this particular vision to Daniel, but we've got to ask ourselves, do we know why he's come? Remember, he's in the process even now of redeeming all that he has allowed. He has come to seek and to save those who are lost, and you feel like that at times. You know that you might be in the kingdom, that you might have salvation through Jesus, but you still feel lost. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to serve and not be served and to give His life as a ransom for many. He laid down His life for the forgiveness of our sins. And He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10 makes it clear. The thief... The evil one, our enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, that's not me. That's not why I've come. I've come so that you could live the fullest life possible. You could live the best life possible now and forever. Abundant and full. So do you know that? You know why he's come? He says there's still a battle going on. That's the last thing in that section about God's Word. He reminds us the battle's not over. As we look at the end there in verses 20 through 21, he replied, Don't you know why I've come soon? I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and after that the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. And meanwhile, I tell you what is written in the book of truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm letting you in. I'm pulling back the curtain. All this spiritual warfare is a reminder, I think, of why he's come. Here's the great news. All these princes, these demons, these fallen angels fall under the prince of the world, Satan himself. God's given him some jurisdiction now we sit all over, don't we? It feels like it feels like we're losing in the kingdom of God. We're losing this battle. But we are blessed if we've come to the point where we understand that the prince of this world, Satan himself, cannot, cannot defeat the prince of peace, Jesus Christ, creator and ruler of the universe. You know that? You know that in a personal sort of way? Do you know what he's done to defeat the enemy? He came and lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death and didn't stay dead. He rose again to show us he's in control. He's got the power of life and death in his hand. And to call all those who would follow him to rise again. To rise from their sin. 
to experience in it his atonement for it and to experience one day forevermore the resurrection and be a part of his kingdom. That's good news. We think about the one who is roaming around, but greater is he that's in me than he that's roaming around this world. We think about uh, back in 2 Kings 6, the, the servant of Elisha saw all these troops and chariots and horses around him, all these enemies. And Elisha prayed, God, show him. Show him your forces. And all around those troops and horses and chariots were the angels of God. They're greater. He's greater. We win. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for showing us that the things that you've called us to prayer, earnest prayer, and, and your word are the things that will sustain us in the midst of adversity still. They're the things that will grow our faith. They're the things that will encourage us. They're the, the things that will sustain us. Father, help us. Help us devote ourselves to you through them. Even now, Lord. There's somebody in this place that doesn't know you, would you help them pray a simple sinner's prayer like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I've gone astray. I admit it. I confess it to you. But I believe, Lord, you died on the cross for my sin, and I choose this day to follow you. Father, through that prayer, not the words... It's not a magic formula, Lord. We know, but through a humble, seeking prayer, you can save. Father, I ask for those of us who prayed that long ago, for those of us who know you and have known you for some time, that we continue to be about your business in this world. Helping. Serving, loving, sharing. Who can we share this with? Who needs your hope? Show us, Lord. In the power of your strong name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing a hymn of invitation? You come to the altar, maybe to pray for someone. Maybe you need to come to the altar to sacrifice yourself to the Lord. Say, I give myself to him I give him myself back to him he created me and I want to be a part of the kingdom and you've never done that we want you to do that today and invite you to do that you respond to him right now as we sing
Jesus.